stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, when BC announced uh, not too long ago that they were going to be increasing the speed limit on some highways to 120 kilometers an hour, there's quite a reaction here in Alberta. Much of it along the lines of, well, it's about time. And when is Alberta going to get with the program? And I think it's come up a lot, a lot in the past that why is the speed limit on the QE2, for example, Highway 2, why isn't it 120? Since for all intents and purposes it is. So BC seemed like kind of a a leader in this sense, that they had figured it out and maybe eventually the rest of us would catch up. Well, in the meantime, BC has had a rethink. And word today that they are reversing these speed increases, that going to 120 didn't work. Joining us uh, for more on this story, Richard Zussman joins us, a reporter with Global BC based in Victoria and uh, co-author of the book, A Matter of Confidence. Richard, great to have you with us. You're welcome to the program. Yeah, Rob, uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, a lot going on these days. Never a dull moment uh, in BC, it seems. Uh, So let's talk about the speed limit thing, first of all. So what was announced today? Yeah, so what was announced today was after a four-year review of the speed limit increases, uh, the provincial government has decided on 15 highway spans to uh, lower, roll back those speed limit increases by 10 kilometers per hour. The reason why is because on those stretches of roads, they saw an increase uh, in the number of fatalities and an increase in the number of crashes. I think it was an increase of about 11%. And uh, some of those stretches are pretty substantial stretches where they are changing the speed limits, including uh, areas for those who have driven around BC and coming from Alberta would be pretty familiar with, uh, including stretches of roads uh, from Squamish to Whistler. Uh, one of the areas where there was a change in the limits was around the Coquihalla Highway uh, in and around Kamloops. That area, though, is one of the ones where they're not changing the speed limit. So it depends on the data that was gathered. Uh, about half uh, the routes will have a change and the other half will not, uh, just based on the crash data they looked at over the last few years. So after these changes, will there be anywhere in BC where the speed limit is 120 kilometers per hour? Yeah, I think there still are some stretches where there are no changes. Uh, So one of them is from Hope to Kamloops, Highway 5. That will remain at 120 kilometers per hour. Uh, All of the other areas I'm looking at here that are remaining the same are basically ones that were increased to 110 or 100. So yes, there will be one stretch that is still 120 kilometers per hour, but the majority of those changes have been, or not half those changes have been reduced because of the crashes. One of the really important things to note too, Rob, as well, is at the time uh, there were concerns from uh, medical health officers, paramedics, uh, as well as law enforcement about the risks associated uh, with increasing the limits. And it seems based solely on the province's recommendations today and their data, Uh, that those fears uh, were um, correct in terms of what they've now seen after having these increased limits over the last few years. I guess the previous government made this decision, and the current government in B.C. inherited this decision, but I guess there there were some pointed questions today, weren't there, about, well, why did you wait so long that if we've got dangerous conditions created on B.C. highways, why not act sooner? 
Yeah, and that was my colleague, uh, Rob Shaw, who I wrote the book with that you mentioned earlier that was asking those questions. And, you know, the, the minister's response to that was basically, uh, we are listening to staff's advice. Uh, it took us time to gather the data that they assessed the situation after one year and then after three years uh, and subsequently made smaller changes o- over those time periods. But the more telling scrum, Rob, I think today was when we interviewed former Transportation Minister Todd Stone. Uh, he is a Liberal. He was part of the previous government. He was in charge when these changes came in place. And again, he basically said, uh, I listened to staff recommendation. Uh, staff recommended that we increase the limits, and so I did that. And then he was asked, well, what about all those other experts who are telling you uh, not to do that? And he said, I don't think there's a course in medical school about highway safety. And that really stood out to me as, you know, sort of a shot that these medical experts are trying to make a point here, and uh, they were ignored by the minister uh, and in part by staff. But I think the minister, it ultimately uh, is partly his responsibility for making that decision. Well, I guess there's the other side of it that um, do we know for sure, how do we know? Is it just correlation or are we able to say definitively that the higher speed limits caused this, uh, these increases in, in fatalities? Yeah, it's a great question, Rob, because that's one of the points that the minister was making was that there, it is unclear the correlation. He kept referring to the fact that only in 2% of the cases was speed blamed as the number one cause of the crash. Uh, and that uh, there were tons of other reasons in terms of uh, dangerous driving and distracted driving, uh, due care that led to these fatalities and the crashes. So it is hard to directly link the correlation. But the one thing that is obvious is that on a bulk of these areas where the limits went up, there was an increase in crashes. But you make the really significant point, Rob, that it is still unclear about whether the increase in the limits were the definitive reason for why we saw this change. Well, I guess we'll see whether those numbers come back down, and maybe that will help answer that question. Right. Uh, Richard, what we have, you know, I know you were just uh, a little bit before you joined us here speaking with Andrew Weaver. Uh, folks here may or may not be aware BC is in the midst of a referendum. I know our Olympic referendum is happening on one day, but this referendum in BC, it's kind of spread out over a month, you guys are voting on electoral reform. Where are things at? Give us a bit of an overview. Yeah, so it's a mail-in ballot. It's funny. I was just doing a Facebook Live, like you mentioned with Andrew Weaver, and I told the Facebook audience I had to say goodbye because I had a date with you on the radio. So well, I appreciate that. Yes. PR, uh, because <laughs> um, the ballots have to be back. It's a mail-in ballot. The ballots have to be in by the end of November. Uh, and what British Columbians are deciding is do they want to keep first past the post or do they want to switch to a proportional system? I think people who took Politics 101 in university probably know what proportional representation is. It's not a huge hot button issue around the kitchen table for many people. Basically, what it would be is our electoral system would be more proportional. So if one party got 40% of the votes, they would get pretty rough to 40% of the seats. Right now, in first past the post, you can have a party that gets. 40% of the votes, but because of the ridings, end up with uh, 50, 60, 65% of the seats. So it would change the way in which we elect our MLAs. And then people are also being asked which form of the proportional representation would they like to see. There are three options on the table. They are complex. Uh, if listeners are interested, there's lots of information on the Global BC website and the Elections BC site. But the simple thing is do we want to change it to a more proportional system? 
or to keep the current system that we have until the end of November to vote, and then we'll find out in December if BC's making that change. Now, BC vote, I mean, it was less than 10 years ago, wasn't it, that, that there was yeah. a previous referendum on this question? Is, is it a different kind of question this time around, or is it more or less a do-over of 2009? It's very different, Rob, in the sense that there is no there was no citizens' assembly this time around, so the opposition has said they describe this as a rigged game, that there's not as much information. There hasn't been as much study. Uh, last time British Columbians were voting on STV, which is a different type of proportional representation, the voters knew exactly what system they were looking at. This time, uh, you know, it's one of three. And even in one of those three, there's lots of answers we still need after the referendum, but how it would actually work. And the thresh- thresholds have changed as well. Last time, uh, we needed 60% of the vote to make a change. Uh, and this time it's 50% plus one. So we've had two different referendums already in B.C. in the last uh, 20 years on this. Uh, and now we're going to vote for it for the third time. This, though, goes back to the power-sharing agreement between the NDP and the Greens. The Greens said it was one of their deal-breakers. Both the Liberals and the NDP agreed to, to uh, put forward a referendum on proportional representation if the Greens picked them. And then when the Greens picked the NDP, it was part of the deal. So that's why we have the referendum now. So when are we going to find out the results of that? Because I think that could have some implication right across the country as it's being debated elsewhere. Yeah, it could be a big Christmas surprise. Uh, we're anticipating uh, two or three weeks after December 1st. So sometime in mid to late December, I was asking Elections BC about that because it would be pretty funny timing to have a major, major shift like this right around Christmas. You know, most people are tuned out, focused on family and the holidays. But I expect they will work hard to get the results to us sometime in the third week of, you know, second or third week of December. Very interesting. Much more on all of this, globalnews.ca slash BC. Richard, thanks so much for joining us here. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Rob, my pleasure as always. Thank you. you all right, you too. Uh, there you go. Richard Zussman, uh, online reporter with Global BC, uh, also co-author of the book on uh, BC's recent political drama, A Matter of Confidence. Uh, so yeah, those wacky British Columbians, they're doing it again, another referendum on proportional representation. But also the other story we talked about, uh, the new government has decided that those higher speed limits, for the most part, were a bad idea, and they're rolling them back to where they were. As Richard said, some stretches, including Hope to Kamloops there on Highway 5, will stay at 120 kilometers an hour, but a lot of it's being changed. They say that there's been an increase in fatalities, and they're attributing that to the higher speed limit. Is that a fair conclusion based on the data or speed limits getting a bit of a bad rap here? Does this, should this uh, affect the the question of whether Alberta should have higher speed limits, whether Highway 2 should be 120? Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.